One of my favourites was from the Gorbals in Glasgow. It was a fab video. I mean, it'd be so dated now. Absolutely brilliant video. Bernard, I don't know if Bernard Clark is still around and whether he's whether he's um, kicking about somewhere, you know, living off his uh, <laughs> his fame from his geography videos. If he is, you need to invite him on. Uh, seriously, but Google him, Bernard, Bernard Clark geography, and you're going to get some wonderful, wonderful pictures of what 80s fashion looks like. <laughs> Absolutely. Hello there. My name is Kit Rackley. My pronouns are they, them, and this is Coffee and Geography. The aim of the show is to get to know, explore and celebrate the diverse and intersectional range of people on this rock we call home and their love and passions of it. We'll find out why guests identify as geographers and if they don't exactly, we'll have fun exploring all the myriad of ways that connects their life to geography. So, pour your favourite brew, get cosy and listen in. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPot. Off we go. Hi, everybody. Um, Timestamp for you, 15th of May, and this is going to be a test of my multitasking parental abilities because I have the kids to myself in the background. But fortunately, I've got a very understanding, tolerant person who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna put up with all that, and that is uh, Helen Young. Helen, hello. Hi. Oh, yeah. And Helen, I have known for actually a very, very long time, but we've never physically met, have we, Helen? No. And in fact, this is probably what I don't even think we've met virtually either, apart from over on Twitter. No, just messaging really, isn't it? Lots of messages. Yeah. So um, I first, quote unquote, met Helen actually over email because uh, Helen is better known as the Geography Geek. She uh, runs a fantastic website, which I used a lot when I was when I was a young teacher. And I, I emailed Helen for help and support, particularly with a, a GIS program. And, and she's been absolutely a star and a diamond for me when I was a young teacher. So I just want to get that in first and say thank you so much. And people should definitely check out your, your website for all those stuff that you've got on there. Oh, thank you. So to introduce Helen, Helen is a part-time geography teacher, juggling lots of other interesting jobs on the side. She describes herself as average intelligence, but hardworking and super efficient. DIY enthusiast, gardener, a bit techie, definitely the man of the house. And Helen is interested in equality of all kinds, but a vested interest in women's and LGBT plus rights. A lover of the simple life, marginal psychic abilities, and a self-confessed terrible traveller. Well, that's a bit of a hindrance for a geographer, Helen. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so, well, let's face it, it is a bit of a trope, isn't it, to picture geographers as being jet setters and roamers of the world because there's so much geography in our immediate areas. So, and that's something we'll no doubt talk about later. For this uh, podcast, we're attempting to um, map our brews and beverage. So, before we get started on our chat, what brew do you have with you this morning, Helen? I have a cup of tea. I really only ever drink tea. Um, I drink it out of a, a child's mug. So, um, a little pirate mug and it's good old typhoon any any basic tea really i'll drink anything old typhoon tea yeah and i've been having yeah. lots of fun trying to discover where all this stuff is sourced from and and their claims to sustainability so listeners you can do that yourself by looking at the coffee and geography map on the coffee and geography webpage. so please do do that so helen you are located in the english midlands between birmingham and derby uh, a short drive yeah. from Cannock Chase area of Outstanding National Beauty. And I admit, I've not actually spent much time at all in that part of the country. So I'd be very, very interested to hear 
hear you describe what what the area is like and then how it fits into your sense of place your identity um, the, the Midlands is a really pretty place. There's lots of, it's not really known for very much. You tend to get the extremities of the country that are known. I mean, we're about the furthest from the coast you can get here. Uh, but where I live, although it sounds quite busy in between Derby and Birmingham, it's, it's in a village, there's lots of green space on the doorstep. There's loads of places to see. Um, it's just a really accessible part of the country. And um, I was born here, born in Burton-on-Trent, and um, lived away for quite some time, actually. I lived in the southwest for a while, down in Bristol and Bath. Um, but I, I just love it here. I've got a really strong attachment to the to the place. So, uh, so it's nice to be back up in the Midlands. Yeah, I'm looking at the map here, and it does seem a beautiful, beautiful area. As I say, you you seem to be apart from the coast. I guess it would be the one element that you're missing. Um, yeah. you've got so many things you've got a load of human features you've got a reservoir right by you so just by the river Trent you've got well, what's that you've got the National Memorial Arboretum that's just yeah. right by you so yeah yeah and we've got a lot of um, a lot of canals as well it's very there's a big canal marina near where I live and there's some lovely walks along the canals and and some of the towns and cities we've got are nice as well so you know if you travel to somewhere like Derby it's a lovely little city so you've walked the canals. Have you taken a boat on them very often? I haven't. I'd love to do that, actually. Um, my dad, when he was alive, he always used to say that he wanted to do a canal boat ride. And, I, I, you know, I really wish that we'd have done one together because I can't really find many other people that would like to do it. And I know that he would have come with me. Oh, I know, I know that you love going on walks and you love, you don't just love going on walks. You love kind of bringing all the geography out of what you do and you create this fantastic kind of local almost like guide sheets, walking sheets, which I know you like to use, um, give for people to use with their students and stuff like that. But when you walk around and, and you investigate your area, do you stick to the more rural parts, the more scenic parts, or do you like to kind of go into the urban areas as well? Do you mix and match? Where, where, what's the pull for you more in that kind of area since, since you've got a choice of lots of stuff, really? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a real green spaces person. I like to be out in the open. Uh, and if I don't get out into green spaces, I sort of feel, feel the pull rate. So I don't do a massive amount of urban walks. I like villages and countryside and open space. Um, I lived for a year in Birmingham when I did my PGCE, and I just one thing that I really craved was seeing green. And, um, you know, I couldn't really get out of the city very much. So I'm definitely an open spaces, countryside sort of person. One thing you put on your... Um... Your form when you when you came on wanted to come on the show, it was this lovely quote. You said, "I'm an awareness of my surroundings. I have a well developed sense of place." So, for I mean, as a geographer and geographers listening, we can kind of we 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 can kind of guess you know and know what a de developed sense of place is. But what what to you is a developed sense of place? And can you give any examples? Yeah, I think it's it's a blessing and a curse, really. I mean, I've I've got a very sort of, I'm very sensitive to my surroundings. So I notice things that other people don't notice. Um, I tend to have almost a sixth sense about certain places. And, and I think in some respects, it makes, it keeps me safer in life. There's been many, many occasions where I've just known something's not right about a place and left and, and something hasn't been right. And so I'm very sort of in tune with, with surroundings. Um, but then it's in many respects, it's, it's, it's a blessing because I feel very comfortable in certain surroundings. Uh, this is what you, you talked at the start about me being a terrible traveller. And, and this is the reason, really. I'm not I'm, I'm overwhelmed by different places because there's so much to take in. 
um, I, it actually overwhelms me and tires me a little bit. So, so when I do travel and I do like to travel, I've just got to plan it really, really well. And I've got to know where I'm going and be comfortable. Unfortunately, I'm not one of these people that can be really spontaneous and just go off somewhere. I like to know where I'm going. I like to know about the surroundings. And when I get there, there's going to be, you know, I know there's going to be so much to take in. I actually find traveling quite tiring because I just notice so much of what's going on. That's really interesting. Um, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is to kind of figure out where, where there's intersectionality. And like, that's some of what you said resonates with me. Like, yeah. I do get quite overwhelmed and I suppose overexcited <laughs> when I go and visit new places. I love going to new places and I get agitated if I keep going back to the same place um so it's kind of strange how we have that kind of similar thing in common but kind of like it almost so opposite opposite reasons I suppose yeah I mean if I, if I want to go on a holiday to relax I've almost got to go to somewhere that I'm already aware of or I know a little bit about because I don't find it relaxing to go to new places there's too much to do and see and look at and it actually I find it a little bit tiring so I do want to do more travel I've just got to I've got to work less first, so I've got a little bit more time and a little bit more energy to do it. Yeah, you, you do work very, very hard, Helen. I will, will uh, attest to that. And, and and one thing you do so well as well for the geography community is that you're so you're so generous with with your support and your time of, of the rest of the geography community, as I already mentioned at the start with your with your website and you know, you you collaborate with me for um for something about when you know when covid was really really at its grip and we did a little yeah. bit about field work and using maps and stuff like that and i really enjoyed that and and yeah and and the thing, i kind of that made me thinking there because i don't want you to kind of ease off the pedal and then me turn and say oh now helen now that you've got more time maybe we should do more collaborations <laughs> <laughs> but the trouble is is we've talked about this before aren't we the trouble is is taking on too much isn't it yeah. you know and, and I, I find it really hard to say no to things I think because everything that I do I feel like I enjoy and I, you know so so taking things on is a great idea but you've just got to make sure that you can do them really well and you've got the time I think yeah that that's true and it's like was it it was it Bill was it Bilbo who said it in Lord of the Rings you know I feel like too little butter spread about much too much bread or something like that I don't know yeah, it's thin, yeah. Thinning, spreading yourself thin but he, yes. obviously Tolkien wrote that a lot better than I just said it. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's go back to you, where you are located in the country. So um, one thing that passes right through your area and close to you is is a line um, which defines the boundary between what we call in geography the North-South Divide, which is, yep. a, which is a fascinating, fascinating um, phenomenon. And the person who helped to develop this and, and the reasoning behind it, because this is, this is well, quote, unquote theory that kind of existed, you know, way before like 60s and 70s. But the person who really refined it and really brought it to the fore was was uh, Professor Danny Dorlin. So, hi, Danny. Um, please come on the show. I'd love to talk to you again. Um, so, yeah, so Danny, Professor of Geography at the School of um, Geography and the Environment at University of Oxford. Wonderful guy as well. Loves uh, interacting as well with the GA and the GA conference and stuff like that. And he's also the co-founder of um, uh, World Mapper. So if any of you have seen that, you know, the picture of the globe where the data causes one country or one area to inflate another, the lack of data to deflate. Daddy came up with that concept with a few others as well. So, yeah, do check that out. You are kind of in this area. And obviously it's not, oh, yeah, if I step here and go for a hike and I step there, suddenly I recognize I'm in the south or I'm in the north. <laughs> what yeah. is for someone who lives in this area where apparently there is a transition, what, what, what's your thoughts? What's your um, opinion on that? 
quite like living in the Midlands, really, because you you sort of neither one way or another. I'm very much a sit on the fence type of person with most things. I like to be quite moderate about things. And, and, you know, we're not in the north, we're not in the south, we're sort of in that middle ground, which means that we're not really, um, you know, we're not really categorised as anything or labelled as anything or we're not in opposition to any other, you know, part of the country. I think I've got I've got friends that live down in the south because obviously I lived down there for a while. Uh, I've got friends and my partner's family up in the north um, and, uh, you know, all lovely people. So I think... The north-south divide, I can I can see it exists, um, but in terms of the actual people, I think people are people are largely the same wherever you go. Really, I think it's just the constructs of society and the um, the you know the, the the systems that people live within that makes them different. Yeah, and one thing to give Danny credit for as well is that Danny never. You know, Danny's a very, very attuned to, you know, social justice and, and progressive, progressive academics and things like that. And he's, he's fantastic with that kind of stuff. And, and he doesn't do this to separate people. He does this to highlight no, the fact that, no. you know, where, where there's injustice, basically, and where there needs yes. to be more. For, and which is absolutely fantastic. And what I recommend everybody do, if, you, if you're not sure what the North-South Divide is, you're not a job. I mean, geography teachers will know. We, we teach about it and stuff like that. But uh, I'm going to give a shout out to some YouTubers who do an amazing job. And they're so much fun. And if you're a geography teacher and looking for fun video clips to do with maps, there's these people called the Map Men. Um, and so I'm just going to play a clip about their, the starting clip about their video about the North-South Divide. Map Men, Map Men, Map 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 for the purposes of this episode, Jay is from the south of England and I am from the south of England, because we both are. Ever since the Vikings invaded the north of England and slowly spread the gene that lets you wear no clothes in the winter, the two sides have viewed each other with suspicion. Northerners accuse southerners of speaking with evil accents, going to Eton and saying the word mahogany at least twice a day. While southerners accuse northerners of being in Coronation Street and giving back videos you've lent them unrewound. <laughs> so that's uh, that's the map men and the, and the video is absolutely fantastic they do it with a lot of humor a lot of pizzazz um a lot of mickey taking but but for all the videos i've watched they've never they've never crossed the line and been offensive so they're definitely recommended um so what we're going to do here so this this little element is called uh, jog your memory I'm going to be giving people nightmares every time I play it now. Um, so what this is then, so Helen, we'd, we've been talking about North-South Divide, but uh, as I've already mentioned, it was uh, something that came about in the 60s and 70s, but refined by Danny Dawling. Um, and his first academic study and paper to come out about it to, to refine this. I want you to have a little guess what you when you think he did that. So the only clue you've got so far, of course, is that it certainly wasn't back in the 60s and 70s. No, I'm just trying to think of how old Danny Dawling would be as well. <laughs> yeah, we don't, um, Danny, we're not trying to offend you here. We just <laughs> Gosh, I don't, when would the first paper to really refine it? Yeah, so to where, mm. where it kind of projected it onto the geographical stage and we all started talking about it all of a sudden. I think sometime, oh, when we all started talking about it, I think sometime around... 2004 to 2008. Wow. Oh, my goodness, Helen. Have I got it right? Yeah, two, 2007. Well, my sources wow. say 2000. In fact, I'm going to let the map men tell us. What we need is a geography teacher. 
In 2007, a proper academic study was carried out by Professor Danny Dawling, taking a range of cultural and economic factors into account. This is the line he came up with. What's noteworthy is that the line goes up at an angle, which puts Leicester, which is further north than Coventry in the south, and Coventry, which is further south than Leicester in the north, and vice versa. And we can tell that Professor Dawling did his research properly, because the line is incredibly squiggly indeed. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put the link to the video in the description so people can definitely take a look at that and definitely give uh, Matt Men a, a subscribe. And hopefully if they're listening, I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get that that uh, popular but if they're listening i'd love for them both to come on the show one day because they sound like loads of fun so yeah have you heard of the map men at all helen no i don't think i have actually i've just written it down as you said it i'm going to uh, check that out when we've uh, when we've come off here yeah so they've, they've done quite a few which uh, which i think they can um which are very very good for for school and, and the other thing as well is that they their clips are very very short so they're very, very rarely over five minutes long, which is perfect when you're introducing a topic or summarizing a topic or just want to bring in a bit of humor into the classroom. Um, a couple of them I would say you probably want to watch before you show them to a certain year group of kids. They're totally suitable for GCC and above, for, for sure. But uh, they're, they're loads and loads of fun. YouTube then, is that something you kind of do or is it not, not your kind of bag then? <laughs> in terms of making videos or using them from YouTube? Well, both? I mean, I don't know. Do you make videos as well, Helen? Yeah, I have got some videos that I made for YouTube. I started it during the first lockdown because the, I found I was making so many video clips then for the lessons that were setting online. And I thought, actually, some of these might be useful to somebody. I always think that about any resources you make, I think, you know, they're never always, they're never perfect, are they? You know, you could, you could, you could pick apart any, anything with people's resources, really. But I think if, if they're going to be useful to somebody, you might as well share them, aren't you? So I did put some on YouTube, yeah, a little, um, usually just showing my hands rather than me. I'd got a little um, test tube holder, which was holding the camera and, you know, I was just drawing things <laughs> on the page and, and chatting it through. So nothing very exciting, but, you know, perhaps a little bit useful for setting remote work, really. Yeah, I use YouTube a lot. I love little clips. I think when I first started teaching in the 90s, you used to have to wheel this great big telly in and find the right place on the on the video. And I think clips are amazing now because you can just find them within seconds and, you know, you've got little short little clips on all kinds of things. That's so funny you mentioned that. Um, so I started to, I was in my teacher training year 2004-2005 and there was just the transition away from wheeling the TV into the classroom onto, you know, having a projector and putting a DVD or a videotape in and then having it projected onto the onto the wall. So I was weird kind of melding of worlds of like the old way of showing visuals. and I even had an overhead projector in my first couple of years. <laughs> yeah. So I'm writing on acetates. We had a cupboard full of geography videos, a little, you know, nobody really knew what was on them. And then every time you played one, you'd get a kid at the front who was too tall. So you'd have to try and move them out of the way. <laughs> Those were the days. Those were definitely the days. Uh, and um, <laughs> I will give a shout out to my old head of department who's now retired. Um, hi, Nigel. Um, and I will say, Nigel, is that please rewind the videotapes after you finish with them. <laughs> It was hard work, wasn't it? I remember spending ages sitting searching through programs and you'd want them to last a good 15 minutes really to be worth the effort. Yeah, and I spent half of my uh, half of my first and second year at converting them into, a DV, into DVDs because I had this really oh. um, hip VCR to DVD kind of machine. As the kids were watching a certain thing, I'd be actually recording it onto DVD as well. So, <laughs> But yeah, those are the days. One of the very first things I transferred onto DVD was... Uh, a Bernard Clark, one of of coasts. Case, was it yeah. Casebook Geography? I, I remember think it was those. 
Yeah, I remember from, those. From the 80s, I think, 80s and 90, yeah. early 90s. One of my favourites was from the Gorbals in Glasgow. It was a fab video. I mean, it'd be so dated now. Absolutely brilliant video. Bernard, I don't know if Bernard Clark is still around and whether he's whether he's um, kicking about somewhere, you know, living off his <laughs> uh, his fame from his geography videos. If he is, you need to invite him on. Uh, seriously, but Google him, Bernard, Bernard Clark geography, and you're going to get some wonderful, wonderful pictures of what 80s fashion looks like. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to have to look up your videos because I wasn't quite, I didn't didn't know that you did a few of those. But um, if you tell us a little bit about the kind of stuff, because you, you've done a lot of GIS stuff in the past. Do you still do, dabble in a bit of GIS or so geographical information systems? Um, I'm a little bit rusty with GIS because I've, I've got very much into Aegis. And of course, that's now been, um, it's been put to the side really because so many other things. Funnily enough, I've spent quite a bit of time this week looking at ArcGIS because I really want to get back to grips with with GIS there's so many things you can do with it so I've been playing with this survey one two three app and ArcGIS GIS and getting to grips with that um so it's not something I feel like I know a particular you know huge amount at the, of at the moment um I, you know I'm always interested in things and I I think when when there's some new technology comes along it it's, it always enhances what we do doesn't it so it's always worth spending some time on if you can yeah definitely and I think that um people listening to this who are really really interested in that kind of stuff I, I would recommend that they give a listen to the geographical associations jog pod episode with alistair hamill which uh, talks about not you know how he went from pretty much a complete novice with gis to being like this whiz who shares so many great things and how he's used it to to look at the you know the issues between you know in northern ireland and he won an award for doing some stuff with students regarding to that and yeah it's just just a fantastic um listen and watch and but yeah, I mean, and again, thank you so much, Helen, for all the support you gave me with with Aegis because um, that was a really, really fantastic um, proto like GIS before it became really mainstream, and it was quite niche at the time. It was ahead actually, of its GIS. time. It was yeah. ahead of its time, wasn't it? The reason why your website and what you did was fantastic, and you sharing that stuff on your website was amazing. And I think I honestly believe that if it wasn't for the stuff that you had on your website, and then using it and then getting in contact with you to develop my skills even more. I seriously don't think I would have been able to develop the GIS skills that I do have today. And I think this is just a great testament of how important it is to maintain a supportive community in whatever subject area or whatever, whatever field, whatever, um, you know, expert field that you're in, because, because we really, we have our own skills, our own interpretations. And of course that really, we can share each other's ideas and that will, we will become greater than the sum of our parts. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really nice to hear because that, that website, I suppose I developed it quite early on and I put, I put things on there, but you know what you produce is never perfect, is it really? And you sort of leave yourself wide open by putting things out there. Um, so it's always nice when people do email or, or say that they found bits on there useful because I think we're all basically doing the same thing, aren't we? And, uh, you know, reinventing the wheel as we go along all the time. So I think if anybody gets anything useful out of it, then it's worth the time, isn't it? It most certainly, certainly is. And um, everybody who's saying, what is this web? Well, Geography Geek, you can search for it, but Helen will give out the website address at the end of the uh, of the end of the show. So again, thank you for that, Helen. That was absolutely amazing. And uh, and go and give yourself a bit of practice with GIS, everybody. It's And listen to Alistair's JogPod episode as well, because it's a really good way of recognizing that some people can find geographic information systems difficult to use or, or have this mental block with using it. And I think listening to Alistair is quite um, liberating. And then you've got people like Helen out there who put things out there for you to just use and then 
have a little think about, oh, how do I do this myself? And then you're picking up all these new skills. And then I'll tell you what, once, I mean, Helen, you can speak for yourself, but for me, once that GIS Pandora's box was open, my goodness, did I off, go off on one with, with kids and there was not a unit I didn't do any GIS in, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities are endless with it, really. And, and the good thing about it is, is the students love it because it's on a computer. So instantly, <laughs> it's a bit techy. And, you know, they uh, they can see that the relevance, can't they, of things that are a little bit more um, digital, I think. 100%. We're going to come back to talking about you personally now. Um, I'm going to ask you, Helen, to spill the beans. <laughs> so, Helen, you say that you play... For a ladies, for the ladies' crown green bowls team in your village, I do. Yeah. Right then, how did that come about, and how, how are you good? Do you do you enter competitions? How do you get on with the rest of the teams? So tell us a little bit about that then. Um, well, I, I got into it because my cousin plays bowls and my auntie played bowls, and um, I like to get involved in things in the village. I was I was part of a the uh, ladies' flower arranging group for the church for a long while, but when I had a bit more, bit more time. And um, so I used to go along and watch my cousin play a little bit. And then um, my auntie stopped playing, so she gave me her woods. So I thought, well, I'll have a go, see if I can use them. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty terrible at it, really, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't win lots and lots of games, but I enjoy it because it's it suits me as a sport. I'm not a massively sporty person. I've never been the sort that can run or throw, but it's a very civilised sport. You know, people drink tea and they stand around chatting it's very you have to think very carefully about where um where the woods are going to go you know you've got to sort of work out angles and the lie of the land you've got to look really closely because um crown green bowls is not on a flat green so you've got to work Ooh. out the sort of ever so slight contours of the land and try and work with them um and it's nice you know we, we do it one one night a week and they're nice ladies that do it, and they don't care that I'm terrible because there aren't actually many people that play bowls. Um, so they they are very welcoming of me uh, because you know I'm I'm there and and I'll have a go. But you'd be surprised actually. I mean, a lot of people that I've told about it think it's generally old, older people that play, but it, it's not. You know, we've got a whole range. We even got a couple that are uh, younger girls in school that come and play in our team. Oh, lovely! So it's quite a varied sport. Yes, it's quite a nice thing to do. Uh, yeah, I never understood why things like that couldn't be offered in schools and things like that. I mean, because yeah. there's there, I strongly believe I'm a sports person myself, and you know, I'm a bit mostly for everybody can hear my uh, my youngest in the background. We'll just let that one slide, I think, <laughs> just so people can know the circumstances of the recording. There we go. I think something's just blown up, but there you go. So I um. I strongly believe that things like that should be part of the school curriculum and because there's a sport out there for everybody, in my opinion, yeah. even if you're not yeah. sporty at all. And and that's really lovely to hear that there's there's and yet I admit there's whenever I think of bowls and I see people out in the green in the summertime, I think, Oh yeah, it's mostly the elderly, the retired people who want something to do, want a yeah. bit of community. But it's this as I know as with sports, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. It's a community as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Pure sports with that do it right are community centered and um yeah. and people who listen to me talk with Stephen schwab a few episodes back we talked about how you know sport can and football particularly can build a sense of community and that's really what it should be first and foremost you know yeah. and then getting fit really is a bonus <laughs> at least in my opinion yeah i mean you don't get very fit with the bowls to be honest you just stroll gently up and down the green <laughs> but it, you know it, get, it gets you out in the fresh air in yeah. green spaces Right, Helen, we're coming towards the end of our wonderful, wonderful chat. So there's one last thing we need to do. 
Um, and that's a, a feature which links all of our guests with each other. And we call this We Are All Geographers, where each guest sets the following guest a word that they must link to geography. So, yeah, haha, ha, indeed. So we, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you the word that was set by Hannah Bloomfield, Dr. Hannah Bloomfield from the University of Reading last episode, who she was set by the word faith by Stephen the episode before. So a little bit abstract, and she did a great job with that. And she's given you the word trampoline. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. really interesting. 30 seconds, are you ready? To link the yeah. word trampoline to geography. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, so anything that is manufactured has been produced somewhere, and so I think trampoline would link with uh, global systems of trade and manufacturing. I suspect the trampoline was possibly now made in a country that does a lot of manufacturing and transported over here, which would have required fuel, and therefore that brings into issues renewable fuels, non-renewable fuels, um, carbon footprints, then we can link into global warming, and we can also link it into green spaces and getting outside, because often these trampolines are in gardens, so they get younger children outside. Perfect. Everybody, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. That was epic. Is there anything you, anything you said there, Helen, that you want to expand on? Uh, no, but what I do want to say is, um, you. I, I knew that this feature was, was coming up, and earlier on I was thinking, what could I talk about? And I thought, oh, well, I couldn't pick an object like a trampoline, because... Now, how strange is that? I did tell you that I have marginal psychic abilities, <laughs> and I actually thought... I actually thought, oh, I couldn't pick something like a trampoline because if I got trampoline, I would say this, this, and this. So without even knowing that was what it was, I would sort of planned out my answer, which is odd, isn't it? Now, technically, we should be ending now, but have you had any... I've, no, we're going we're gonna to talk about this. Mild psychic abilities. Have you got anything else, any examples to share with us to, to oh, uh, add to know. that? I, part, I, I'm, I'm very factual and very scientific as a person, so part of me thinks that it's, it's a load of rubbish. But I've just, over my life, especially since I've moved back to the Midlands, bizarrely, I've had lots and lots of messages and uh, signs and things that have been very specific about people. And if I felt confident enough that they wouldn't think it was rubbish, I, I've mentioned things to them and been 100% accurate. And, and some of these are really bizarre, and I, I'm almost feeling slightly embarrassed to even admit to it. But, uh, yeah, I do seem to get, get these messages, and I've passed them on, and they seem to be really accurate about people. And I can't explain it. I'm not even sure I believe it. But people, when I say these things, they're like, oh, my goodness, you have hit the nail on the head. So I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I feel there's a lot we don't understand. There's definitely a lot about the world and about people that we really, really don't understand. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility albeit not very scientific. Are we, I'm going to have to have you back on another time and we can have talk a bit more <laughs> about this because that is just so far. And I do, there are so many unexplored mysteries of the human brain that I, yes. I, I mean, I'm very, very scientific. I'm very, very, you know, what is the evidence? What is the data? I, and, yep. you know, and I trust science for things that I can't see with my own eyes and I don't experience with my own senses. Um, yeah. And I think, psychic elements and things like that is that kind of realm for me I've, i i don't not to say i don't believe in it i'm saying well there's so, because there's so much unexplored with the human brain and the power and the potential and apparently you know we only use a fraction of the capacity of our brain you know yeah. you know and we do as humans and we do radiate whether it's or you know auras and and electromagnetic fields and things like that so there must be something there yeah, there's a, there's a lot unexplained, isn't it? I mean, this is why placebos work in medicine, isn't it? You know, there's something about our brain, isn't there, that we there's a lot we don't yet understand, I think. And I think unless we can actually prove it, 
100%. And I think we're a little bit reluctant sometimes to um, even contemplate uh, possibilities. That's very, very well put, I think. So before we then end, Helen, we're, uh, the next guest that I've got coming on, you've got to set them a word uh, for them to do the same in 30 seconds. Um, they are also a geography teacher, so it could be, I don't think they're going to have any problem. It's, it's more of a no. case of trying to come up with a word. So what are you going to go for us? Well, I'm going to go on the theme of what we've just been talking about, and I'm going to say the paranormal. Love it, love it, love it. And of course, I know who's coming on next. And I, I just, I get little giggles when the person says the word. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, sometimes you think, oh, that's perfect for that person. This person, I'm not sure if she's into kind of paranormal stuff like that, but I think she'll enjoy doing that one quite a bit. I think there's some geography behind it. So I think, I think she'll get yeah, it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, I can, I can think of like five or six things off the top of my head and i'm not going to mention i'm not going to mention any of them i don't want to give the the i don't want to give our next guest any any clues um no. so that's that's a brilliant one i love that one right so to finish off helen any shout outs i mean we've got i suppose we can give a shout out to the crown uh green bowls team so hi ladies you're wonderful yes yes i don't know whether they'll listen to this <laughs> Yeah, so if you do, hello, um, have me as a guest up there one day. I'll come visit Helen. You, I'll learn, you can see how terrible really I am, and then Helen will look amazing compared. So, so you've got a shout out to them. Um, anyone else you'd yeah. love to give a shout out to? Well, the geography community in general, really. I think we're a lovely sort of bunch. You know, everybody's really friendly and everybody helps everybody out. And I think, you know, you, you've only got to look on Twitter at all the support that's given. Um, I think that, you know, it's a, a great community, especially geography teachers. I think we work really well together. Absolutely. So, and I've, I tell you what, I've really, really, the, if there's any silver lining of what's been happening over the past year or a bit, is that I've really felt more connected with the with the geography community. You know, by by being able to do things like this and and connect with each other online. You know, talk to people more regularly than I would have done just waiting for a year's co a yearly conference. So yeah. there has been that silver lining, and and uh, and yeah, it's it's something which I which which I've been holding dear to me. So that's a really lovely shout out, Helen. And then finally, I want people to grow their community. So how can they find you? Where what's your social media you'd like to share? Your website address? Can you share that for us? Um, my website is www.geographygeek.co.uk and I also am on uh, Twitter, which is hygeographygeek. Um, I'm on Facebook through geographygeek.co.uk and I'm on LinkedIn through my name, Helen Young. That's absolutely amazing. So please go take um, a look at Helen's website and connect with her on Facebook and on Twitter. Helen, I've this has been overdue to have this chat between us and I've yeah. really really enjoyed it and I hope we get to do it again sometime soon so thank you so much for coming on the show me too thank you very much for having me really nice to talk to you thank you so much for listening we hope you had fun if you haven't already done so please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favourite podcast app if you fancy being a guest or have any feedback Follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging. Come over here. This is, this is the person who gave all the sound effects in the background, everybody. Come over here. All the way. Close up. To, right up to here. This thing. And I want you to say bye-bye to Helen and bye-bye to everybody. Go. Bye-bye to Helen. Bye, everybody. Go.
<laughs> oh. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>